0: Welcome to the Anecdotal Affairs from the Wonder Womb Nurse and Beyond. This podcast gives insight into the world of labor and delivery nursing. Join me as I share funny stories, explore spirituality, discuss health and wellness, provide updates on current events in the field of obstetrics, and shed light on the adversities faced by nurses, especially travel. Through a combination of roundtable discussion, interview, and solo shows, I aim to raise awareness advocate for important causes, share my own personal experiences, inspire, build community, offer support, entertain, have fun, educate, and foster meaningful discussions. Hi, welcome back. Uh, I just want to take a moment and thank everyone who has given me such positive feedback. I am so appreciative. God bless you. I Thank you for reaching out. Um, Thank you for listening and tuning in. It's so exciting to embark on a journey like this. So I thank you. And also for all of those other people that have contacted me with wanting a plug and wanting to sponsor me, I'm so excited on working on collaborations. I'm so grateful for all of those people who have contacted me and wanted me to introduce them into the show or uh, introduce them with a little plug. Uh, keep contacting me. Uh, my email is justbarb 07gmailcom 7 at gmail.com. Uh, definitely, like I said, keep in touch with me. I just want to let everybody know this is not a gimmick. Like I really want to give real life scenarios and real life stories and and real life experiences. Uh, I really want for there to be such a, a transparent view of travel nursing, being a Hispanic nurse, being a labor and delivery nurse, being a human being. I think that our society, our country, we all need more of that. And nursing for me has always been like, you know, there's kind of like that unspoken uh, you know, just comfort level with nurses. I had a roommate, well, not a roommate, but she. I have a duplex where I'm at, and uh, the other side was just rented out with a travel nurse. And travel nursing or travel nurses, when they go to an assignment, it's always nice to have that comfort of having one person with them, uh, if not just having a one friend in the area. When it comes to nurses, I think we're kind of like military police like all of those you know you see a nurse come up you know that they're a nurse that got a stethoscope on you see them coming up it's like where you work you know with that head like what department are you at it, it's kind of like what branch are you at it, it, it's weird but it's definitely a fact it's funny actually um but that's not the topic of today's conversation that was just an intro plug uh it's just funny the way things happen i want to talk today about building trust and What that actually means, whether you're a seasoned labor and delivery nurse, any type of healthcare provider, embarking on a new journey, building trust with your patients is definitely an essential part of uh, providing exceptional care. We want to be patient-centered. We want to be patient-focused. We don't want to treat a diagnosis. We want to treat a patient. We're going to talk about some statistics, some strategies. I'm going to give you my story and just kind of like what my take from it is from the field. And if you have any questions or concerns, or y- you want me to highlight on this the next time around with something else, let me know. Um, I want to talk about just building trust from a provider standpoint. And I mean the obstetrical provider, because the obstetrical provider, unlike us, has nine months to build a rapport with these patients, nine months to build a trust with these patients, whether it's them or an associate, because the one thing that I will say is if it's a practice, which I have dealt with the few doctors that have a, multi, a, a multi-doctor multi or multi-physician practice, and they will introduce another doctor or they'll say, hey, I may not be available when your baby comes because we don't know when your baby's coming, but I have Dr. So-and-so who's who it will also be taking care of you in my absence if uh, need be. And, oh, I trust them with my life or a great guy or great girl, whatever it is that plug. Sometimes as nurses, we walk in to a room and we say, hey, this is Belinda and she's going to be taking care of you and you're in great hands. And that actually adds a little bit of comfort to the patient. And as a traveler, it's a little challenging. And actually, a study that was published in the Journal of um, Perinatal and Neonatal Nursing does say that travel nurses often face challenges to build trust and that 67% of travel nurses reported difficulties in establishing a rapport with patients. And I do see this is pretty factual. This makes a lot of sense. The reason being is because with travel nurses, you walk in, and if it's a, a hospital that has a lot of travel nurses, they see people all the time. And you can't expect staff nurses to remember every travel. Oh, it's uh, so-and-so, or it's, uh, what's your name again? You know, and it's kind of in, in front of a patient, especially in front of a patient who's trying to trust you with herself and her unborn child, it's kind of like, okay, I'm trying to trust you with all of this, you know, I'm, I'm trusting you with my life. And here I go, and then here walks in your nurse with the person that she's giving a report to, and she's like, hey, I'm giving a report, and this is, um, ooh, what's your name again? And, oh, but you'll be in great hands. Informed decision-making. Um, if you involve your patient in their own care decisions – It works out. I mean, it actually benefits you and you're taking the guesswork out of the guesswork. A study from the Journal of Obstetrical, Gynecological, and Neonatal Nursing did find that patients who were informed and who were allowed to participate in their decision-making process were more likely to trust their providers. That's because they make it, they feel like it's not your show, it's their show. And at the end of the day, it is. There are some things that we may not feel comfortable and we would not do in our own deliveries of, you know, in our motherhood uh, scenarios, in our motherhood minds. Uh, For example, placenta. This is a big thing. So let's say a patient wants to take their placenta home because they want to take pills. They want to make it into pills. But you know that that patient had a group beta strep positive uh, in their, during their pregnancy, you as a healthcare provider may say, well, if you've had some type of bacteria in your pregnancy, why would you want to make your placenta into pills? But that's not for you to decide. And if that's what they want to do, you can't stop them and you can't convince them otherwise. So it's like you're beating on a dead horse and you don't want to do that. You don't want to make your patient feel like, their decisions are stupid or not founded. Let them be the decision maker when it comes to that Uh, circumcision versus non-circumcision. Hep B or no hep B. Vitamin K or no vitamin K. Even though for me, vitamin K is one that I will educate on and always educate your patient. Like, hey, I understand that you don't want the uh, vitamin k vaccine. But let me tell you, or let me tell you that it's not a vaccine. It's actually a shot and what it does. And maybe they'll change their mind, maybe not. Don't hold yourself to the, you know, process. Don't hold yourself to that they're going to accept what you say and say, you know what, Barb, you're right. Yes, I will do the vitamin K shot. Or no, you know, I talked about it with my aunt who is a doula and in um somewhere in the Southwest and she says, no, that we shouldn't do that. Okay. It's not going to hurt you. You're not going to get paid more or you're not going to get paid less. If that patient says yes to the hepatitis B or yes to the vitamin K or yes to the erythromycin, you're not getting paid anymore. So just let it be. And I know if anybody is like me, the reason why you get into the travel versus taking staff position is because you want to be a little bit more patient centered, patient focused. In labor and delivery, you have a mom who is very vulnerable. She has to trust you with her body, parts of her that probably she hasn't even shown her husband. And then she has to trust you with her unborn child. So you can see where the comfort level may be a little different. It's very important that. As you're doing that and you say, yeah, I'm a traveler, you know, some people like to add humor. I'm one of those that'll be like, yeah, don't worry, I've YouTubed this whole thing and don't worry, we should be fine. But if not, dad, you can put on some gloves and deliver the baby yourself. Or I tell them that you know, it, a lot of the worry is that I don't know who to call in the event of an emergency. So I always throw, try to throw a little humor in there and say, "Don't worry, it's okay. I have 911 on speed dial. If there's anything that happens, I'll call 911." It always takes a little bit of the tension off. Obviously, it's not going to be a a end-all, tell-all, full method to relieve their anxiety, but you know, it does definitely try to get a little bit of a of the tension to be gone. Um, Impact on outcome. So this is a topic, I, I wrote it out because it was definitely something that was really interesting to me. So research from the Journal of Obstetrical, Gynecological, and Neonatal Nursing says that patients who trust their healthcare providers are more likely to have a positive birth experience and reduce anxiety during labor. So I, I've seen this to be true. I mean, this is actually something that that's pretty bona fide all the way through. There's no uh, medium. If you give your patient the best birth experience that they can have, doing all the things, you're spinning babies, you know, your treatment, treating them like they're family, not like they're a number, treating this as, you know, not a baby factory, quote unquote, like some refer to it as, you know, they're going to have a better birth experience. They're going to remember your name. Um, I think it was probably my second week here. I had an experience with a patient and I didn't really realize the impact that I had had on her until I received... Hey, Barb. Uh, so we just got a basket and here is your uh, basket that your patient from two weeks ago. And in the card, it basically illustrated all of the reasons why she thought that I was her earth angel in this experience because she was scared to death. And it really made me feel good you know, that she's going to take that on. And obviously from the marketing side of it, you know, she's going to tell her friends, well, I had the most amazing birth experience. I don't know about you, but I had the most amazing birth experiences at X, Y, and Z hospital because the nurses really cared. She gave me my picture of juice. I was always teased. I'm going to throw this out there. And for any of my former uh, co-workers will laugh this one really, really bad. So when I was working in the triage unit in our OBED, I was the nurse most likely known for giving socks and cocktails to my patients. And that was my thing. You know, and obviously I got teased for it a lot, but, and, you know, got a little, got a little hairy as the patient was throwing up, but I've always been teased on the fact that I, I try to go the extra mile. And I guess I don't do that for the, I don't, I don't do that for the numbers. I do that for more so the patient for that trust, that building of the trust. Okay so next is the communication and I think we touched on this a little bit when it comes to like the humor just adding a little bit of humor back and forth if it really is I mean what's it going to do if you add a little humor if anything it helps you know to add humor to the situation it's already a stressful situation especially if it's like an early induction or like let's say mom is only 32 weeks but her water broke and I'm speaking, uh, not using the technical terms because I want other departments to know and other travel nurses, other nurses period to know that I care about them as well. This is not just a labor and delivery. This is a total cast. This is, if I could rename it to total cast instead of podcast, this is going to be some soapbox and some not, but mostly I, I want, I'm wanting to reach a huge crowd, not just a demographic uh, so, you know, I say things sometimes in layman terms, just for everybody to understand. And this is getting into the part that uh, is a little case and culturally sensitive. And that has to do with a person trusting you with being a, you know, being a different ethical back, ethnical background. So uh, I, as, as many of you know, I'm a Hispanic nurse and I Kind of talk about it. It is sometimes I'm a little more quote unquote passionate, and we won't put that pun in there for nothing. And um, some patients love me, some don't. Some employers love me, and others don't. Either way, it's okay because I'm very transient and transparent about who I am. Um, And then now let's talk about what that means when it comes to trust. So, a report in the US Census Bureau said that in the healthcare workforce, being more diverse, uh, there's a growing number of healthcare professionals representing various cultural backgrounds. What does that mean for trust? There's also a journal of racial and ethnic health disparities that highlights that patients are often more comfortable when being cared for by healthcare professionals who share their same cultural background. I don't know that I really can say this is 100% true. I'm, I know that there are unicorn situations in my experience where I could tell that there was uh, a little bit of boundary setting uh, uh, between myself and my patient because they're of a different cultural background than I am. But I can't fully say that I have not been able to communicate effectively, being transparent and doing all those things that I do, not getting the trust of my mom or dad or family. And that's the other part of it. So let's take aside the patient, right? Now you got a whole family to deal with. You have a mother, you have a mother in law. You always got that one auntie that thinks that she, you know, because she was present at like five of her cousins' births or something, that she is the, the person to be at a, at a delivery. And then sometimes you have a grandmom and sometimes you have, you know, dad around. So with all of these factors, you can tell already what's going on now. I have a situation and I'm not going to name, you know, get into specifics, but I had a patient who had a condition since she was 18 years old and her, and she was fairly young. So her parents were present at her induction because we were starting it from the beginning. Like she was zero centimeters. She was close, thickened by girlfriends. And we were starting an induction on her and she was only 37 weeks. So to to many, you may not understand what that means, but it's just a little bit longer. It's a a little longer for the the cake to bake in the oven. Dad, mom was cool. Once I got to her mom's side, like I'm going to take care of your daughter the way I would take care of my daughter if I had any, she was fine. It was dad because he had been dealing with his daughter's condition since she was 18 years old. So... His thing was, well, do you think that a C-section, in your honest opinion, do you think that a C-section is more warranted than trying to do an induction and and go through the stress of laboring? And I'm like, well, many people with your daughter's condition, sir, have actually gone through the stress of labor and and it's it's fine well, I just feel like the the time being wasted is just going to stress her out, and what if her condition... And so he said C-section probably three times, and I kind of understood what it was. Either A, he wanted a baby and look at a a grandchild right then and there, or B, he was really worried about his daughter's condition. I say B. I say that it was more that he was really worried about his daughter's condition. Obviously, she was a young lady, and she had been dealing with the same condition since she was fairly young, so he wanted to help out. It became where... Me as a nurse, I had to put that boundary. Had nothing to do with my ethnical culture. It was, listen, I understand you're concerned about, you have concerned about the risk and benefits of labor versus C-section. I can assure you that we are going to do everything possible to make sure that this process goes as smooth as possible. And if there are any red flags that we see along the way, which because labor is trial and error, we will stop and reassess at any given moment, it's a constant, it's a 24 unraveling, revolving door. We're gonna constantly assess. This is, we know that this is a trial and error type situation, and we're gonna re- keep reassessing and we're gonna keep being there. Are you comfortable with that? I will explain everything. I'll explain it in layman's terms so that you understand, but the show has to keep going. At some point, you have to wrap it up, and the show has to keep going. He was okay with it. And I think that m- while there may or may not have been a cultural Difference or uh, indifference, let's say, I think that I gained his trust by assuring him that I'm not going to give him the, oh, I'm going to treat your daughter as if she were my daughter. I'm giving him, yes, there may be bad that comes from this, but know that we are constantly assessing for those bad. And I think that putting that reality there, putting that, um, not putting the lining behind the silver, the clouds, you know, the silver lining behind the clouds. Like he, I think he appreciated it a little bit more than if I just, you know, gave him a bunch of unicorns and rainbows. Uh, this is, it, men are a little bit more direct than women. That's another, uh, you know, cultural difference is that men are a little bit more direct than women. They just want to hear the here and now. Um, they don't want the, you know, lovey dubby unicorns and rainbows and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I think that it helped, me to to explain it in a different way. And sometimes you have to be that diverse when you're educating your patients. Sometimes the learning, sometimes the the, the learning levels of your patients differ than that of their family members. And I'm going to tell you, it only takes one time for TT to stand in front of the monitor and I say it in my, you know, like, you know, I'm um, obviously I'm making a pun out of my own ethnicity, but it only takes for one time for TT to stand in front of the monitor and she's looking at the heart fetal heart tracing and the ultrasound and she's got this very stern face and looking at the contraction pattern and she's pointing at the monitor and then she turns to you and say, "Which one is the baby? Like, do you even know what you're looking at? Sit down." Let me take care of that. Let me do what I'm here to do. And you support her, the patient because that's what you're here to do. And sometimes you have to set it that boundary in a very nice way, but you have to set that boundary. Today, you are a grandmother. You are not a nurse. And if they are a nurse in their actual true profession, today they're not. If they are a doctor in their actual true profession, I don't care if they're the patient or not. Today, they are not. Today, they are a patient. And sometimes a friendly reminder, a a courtesy reminder. Listen, there's a boundary here. I understand you have to trust me. Be real. Be 110% real. It's nothing. It it, it costs you nothing. You're not going to get paid extra nor lose money if you are honest with your patient. What's the worst that can happen? That a patient says, you know what? The chemistry isn't here. It's not you. It's me. And I'd rather another nurse. Okay. Okay you're still offering your patient the best experience. Why? Because you're giving them another nurse that can that is going to make them happy. And that's offering them the best experience at the end of the day, whether you want to realize it or not. These are just some like Barbara real facts. And like I said, everybody's opinion is different and that's okay too. I'm just telling you from a standpoint of a traveler nurse walking into a facility and not knowing anybody and you're co-workers or temporary co-workers your rental co-workers introducing you as they don't even know your name and trying to gain your patient's trust like all of that comes into play when it comes to gaining trust your patient is looking at the situation like like if they're watching a TV show like okay what's going to go on next be confident though in what you do and definitely don't as a traveler please and i i this is probably one of the 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 things that I hate the worst only because I've been on the other side of it. And when I was a charge or a team lead, I would encounter young ladies who were in the travel nursing world and they beefed themselves up so badly because when they came to the floor, they were, I, I can't even explain it into words. And I'm going to talk about a, a blind scenario. I'm not going to mention any names or anything, but a blind scenario where you have a travel nurse and she comes with X amount of years experience from a very big teaching hospital with 700 plus births a month. And she comes to you and she's her patient is 10 centimeters and she comes to you and says, Hey, my patient is 10 centimeters. Um, Can you go and set up my warmer? So for the common person that doesn't understand what I'm saying, so your patient is 10 centimeters. We have the baby warmer that's set up with equipment. We make sure that... um, our oxygen and our suction. We have a temperature probe. We have, you know, all of the things that we may need, a pulse oximeter to monitor baby's oxygen saturation, that we have all of the things we need, that it's heated up, that we have extra blankets, that we got a baby hat. If it's a girl, we make a little girl baby hat, that we have all of the things that we need, intubation supplies, everything that we need in the event that this baby does not like us when the baby comes out. So for a very alleged season nurse to come out and say, hey, my warmer, can you get that for me? To me, it was like, huh? Come again? Why is your warmer not set up? That's like the 101. Like if, if your patient is five, six, seven centimeters, your brain is already thinking, okay, I need to get a delivery table with instruments and and sponges and you know making sure all my equipment is in order, making sure that my IV lines are all straight because soon we're gonna be getting real busy here. So the warmer part of it to me is a 101. And it's not just because I'm an NRP instructor, it's just a 101, you know? So when my point, going back to my point is don't, don't walk the walk. Don't talk the talk if you can't walk the walk and don't walk the walk. If you're going to trip and fall, like if you're going to fall on your face, don't do it. Like it's one thing to be on the phone and say, oh yeah, I'm surely qualified for this position because of A, B, and C. But once you get that position, either go take a training class Go talk to friends. I don't care what you do, but don't try to walk and walk and fall on your face. Like, don't do that, especially when there's patients' lives at risk. It's just not not cool. It's just not. Um, so I'll keep it short when I say building trust is very difficult, very rewarding, but very difficult. The rewarding part is not when you're getting You know the presents and the gift cards and everything, because those will come. The rewarding part is when that mom is holding that baby in her hands and she just starts crying and she looks at you and just whispers, thank you. And you could see in her face that she honestly did not think that she could do that without you. And that's probably the one thing that hits, it it just pulls at my heartstrings the most. And anybody who's been in a delivery with me knows that I am a basket case. I start boohoo crying, and especially I, I boohoo cry at anything. But when it comes to one of those emotional deliveries that mom is crying, dad is crying, grandma's crying, there's everybody's crying in the room, I turn into a hot mess. Anybody who's been in a delivery with me could tell you. And I think that that's probably the part that pulls at my heartstring. I don't care about the $25 gift card to Starbucks. Like give me that for every delivery and I will be so utterly happy. I know that I have touched that patient. I know that the trust is there. And again, with all the odds stacked up against you, when you're a, a different ethnical back, ethnical background, when you're, um, a traveler, it, it just makes it harder when you're an L and D nurse versus an obstetrical provider. It just makes it so much worse. You have minutes to seconds. It's, it's down the line where the first impression is everything. So with that being said, I'm going to end this one. I trust that you guys all tuned in. And I trust that you all listen. And I trust that if you have any comments, concerns or questions to please email me because I enjoyed all of the ones that I've read so far. And I will definitely give people uh, their little shout outs when you know, things are squared away. But for now, I thank you for listening in. And until next time, we'll talk again.